0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Another Little Twang And that's right, we're at episode 2, season 3 Now, today promises to be an interesting conversation That we've all kind of wanted to have for, for a while And we haven't done it just because we didn't have the right people But, look no further, we have someone on our panel today That's going to educate us and also entertain us for a bit But before getting to that, let's check in with Shads Shads, how was your week?
1: It's been great. Uh, just another day living that beautiful global pandemic life. You know, mm-hmm. another lockdown is here. I'm pretty sure we're already in a lockdown, but that's a conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, life is great. Can't complain. COVID free, social distancing.
0: I love oh, that you God. like to say COVID free as if the people who got COVID are supposed to feel guilty.
1: No, I'm just like thankful because I refuse to do that test. So I am doing everything in my power to avoid having to do that test. I can't I'm, be the only one.
0: I mean, I'm I'm wishing you luck with that. I'm definitely wishing you luck with um being COVID free for the rest of 2021. Um, If we could all be so lucky.
1: What about you? How have you been
0: um i'm tired but i'm here and i get to have a conversation with someone um i met about a year ago and she is amazing so let me just check in with her um she's smiling she's beautiful (laughs) and um she's guyanese hey lana (laughs) (laughs) hi (laughs) Uh, so, we're here to have a conversation on inclusion, diversity, equity, and everything that has to do with that particular thing. Um, but why are you the perfect person? Apart from being Guyanese, being um, of mixed heritage, why, why is Alana the perfect person for this conversation today?
2: I don't know. Um, it's so funny when you said uh, the first time you met me was a year ago. Maybe I'm the perfect person because you met me when I was interrupting a phone call that you were having with somebody so I could preach to you about diversity and inclusion. And you
0: still call me Scarborough.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. I, You know, you need to remember people properly. You need distinctive features and character. you know?
0: I feel like like when you call me Scarborough, I feel like a side chick. You know when, like, in a man's phone, <laughs> you're like,
2: shorty oh. from
0: Scarborough. <laughs>
2: No, no, it's not like that. It's it's endearing. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's more because Lori, our mutual friend, she has too many friends. So at the time when I was trying to learn the names of all of her friends, it was easier back then.
0: That's fair. She's a
2: socialite. She's gonna watch this. Lori, you're a socialite.
0: <laughs> Perfect. So Alana, tell us what you do right now.
2: So uh, I am an advisor in equity, diversity, and inclusion, and I am the person responsible for official languages at the National Research Council of Canada. Mm -hmm. So um, my main portfolios are to work with uh, racialized employees, and uh, I have a bit of the Indigenous portfolio as well, and all the official languages for the organization. So all of the regulations that we have to follow, that kind of falls under my purview, like to, you know, Give advice about how to follow those rules or um, uh, address complaints that happen, things like that.
0: Wow. Wow. I like that. I like that. So thank you for being here. Um, But I did tell you in the pre-interview that we were going to play (laughs) a game and oh yes so when it's a jamaican we say keep your yard card but i'm not guyanese and i can't dictate what it means to keep your guyanese card but i'm going to call it your west indian card today now okay two questions because you specifically said you know just in case you missed the first one <laughs> um you need to make it up you need to keep the west indian card. right so
2: yes I need good grades. <laughs> Definitely,
0: you know we're Caribbean, and that's a thing. We need the good grades. You need good grades, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this performer hails from GT, and his name is Mortimer. Softly,
2: someone It's a performer. Yes,
0: someone. The queued... only
2: perf- what kind of music?
0: Um, if I tell you the type of music, you're going to get it. Uh, it's not the ch- only. It's not chutney. performer. It's not chutney.
2: Like, reg- like, natural black? Like, I don't know. That's the only person I know from Diana.
0: <laughs> that's correct. That's correct, guys. She got it right. She got it right.
2: <laughs> she got
0: the first question right. Now, you know, she kind of guessed it. Like, do, do you agree, Sean? She kind of guessed it <laughs> yes, right. she did. I was like, right? I'm not you know too that.
1: sure, but...
0: <laughs> you know, that's why I said it wasn't chutney. So, if your mom sent you to the store to purchase Banga Mary, what is she sending you to buy?
2: bangamary's fish please okay okay <laughs> please. she's like do not <laughs> insult my guyanese ness. butta fish is my favorite bangamary might be second
0: okay okay and there you have it folks she got it right <laughs> um she got both of them right so you get to keep your west indian card so
2: yay thank you <laughs> <laughs> thanks
0: <laughs> i love that i love that, that Was a, that was a fun session now before we get into the actual discussion We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. So we're back. And today's discussion is about diversity and inclusion. And we're here with Shads and Alana. Now, you know, before getting into like the conversation with Shads, we're going to go to Alana and Alana, you mentioned something in your um, your your introduction where you said diversity, inclusion, and equity. And to be totally honest with you, until I watched a TED Talk online, equity was, far, to me, it seemed far removed from the diversity and inclusion conversation. Why is it mm-hmm. within the last two years that equity is now a part of the conversation? And what is equity?
2: So, um. Equity, at least in the Canadian context, Mm -hmm. and probably in the government context, and I should preface this, and this entire conversation with nothing I say during this conversation (laughs) reflects in any way, shape, or form any opinions or thoughts from the government of Canada. They are my own, okay? (laughs) Just so you know, that's very important for me to say, okay? No public servant hat. So, um, but the equity term, so in the case of government, I would say, especially, and maybe, you know, big corporations looking at equity, diversity, and inclusion, uh, it would come, that term would specifically come from the Employment Equity Act mm-hmm. that we have in Canada. And so the Employment Equity Act uh, talks about four equity seeking groups, uh, one being visible minorities, which, you know, a better term is racialized persons or, you know, racialized people, um, Indigenous peoples, women, and persons with disabilities. So those are the four groups that uh, in this legislation they determined that they had less advantages than other people um, in jobs and um, so they designed this act to basically make sure that these people were given equitable rights and treatment when they're in the workplace. So that's for me where the equity term would come from uh, along with diversity and inclusion.
0: Okay, so when we're having conversations about uh, diversity and inclusion, um, let's say I'm a multi-million dollar multinational company, and I, I've I've uh, employed uh, indigenous people, women, um, people with disabilities, and um, racialized people. Um, is that not enough? Like, do I not meet the requirements of what it means to be an employer within this space, which is equal opportunity, or no?
2: Um, on paper, sort of. Mm -hmm. So, uh, there's what's called, um, the workforce, uh, market availability and the labor market availability. And those are, essentially quotas that are calculated about how much representation companies should or the government should have so that's what people look at when they're looking at representation by numbers Mm -hmm. however when you go deeper and so that's like on paper oh yeah we have people we have these percentages Mm -hmm. on on paper then you have to look at things like okay when you have those equity seeking groups and you have them with intersections so not only is a person a woman but she's a black woman with a visible or with, a, with an invisible disability, let's say, mm-hmm. is she in the same position around the senior executive table? Are there any racialized persons? Are there any indigenous people? Or are, are the indigenous people all at the level one level of employment? You know, so that's where equity, the equity part comes in, right? Diversity is one thing. You can see it in numbers. Inclusion is another thing. When you do employee satisfaction surveys, do employees feel satisfied to be there? There's often a question about, do you think about leaving your organization or do you foresee yourself leaving your organization in how much time? Hmm. You know, does your manager support you? So employee satisfaction will show you kind of results of inclusion. Diversity, sure, in the numbers, Right. And then equity will be more, how are these people uh, placed in the organization? Are they placed in a place where they can lead and drive conversations and positively affect conversations? Or are they just, you know, there is a number, a token.
0: Interesting. I actually love that. Um, The fact that you were able to break everything down for us and explain because to a lot of people diversity and inclusion is this big business thing and once the numbers are met you know then i they assume that there's there's no other concern um you know people have said it's basically like a you know we're sorry for the bad things that we've done um so that's why the department exists um mm-hmm. but I, I won't necessarily get into that but
2: I, I think won- it's to appease angry, angry racialized peoples Yeah, who are no longer yeah. ex- accepting Accepting foolishness. I agree. I feel the same way about it. It's just for show.
0: Interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, shots. You've been in the workplace, and you know one of the words that you know I like to use is intersectionality. You're black and female. Um. Um. Sorry. Um, Black,
1: and I'm a woman.
0: Okay, you're black and a woman. Uh, My apologies. Um, Please don't hold that against me. Um, (laughs) What is that like? Um, I know you work for... uh, Well, uh, you you were employed to a larger company. And um, a part of it was being a a diverse space. But when we think about diversity, did you feel included in the conversations? What were some of the activities that took place at work that made you feel included as a woman of colour?
1: I mean to be honest i didn't participate in a lot of them because i just didn't really feel like it but i was definitely aware of it the company that i work for i can't disclose um, right. who it was but it is one of uh, canada's top companies
2: mm-hmm.
1: um highly reputable and they definitely before I'll, I'll give them their credit like before all of what's been happening has been going on they've always gotten out of their way to create uh, diversity inclusion and equity so they had events um where there's like international day so it's different um countries so it wasn't that okay well i'm from this country so i have to have a booth representing that country i Mm -hmm. could go and pick another country and it will give me the chance to learn about that country and um speak on it of course um, they'll have people contribute to that booth who are actually from that country. Of right. course, a lot of people tend to go to the Jamaica booth because almost everyone knows Jamaica, regardless. Is it the jerk if...
0: chicken? I feel like it's a jerk chicken. It's though. a jerk
1: chicken and the the patties. That was definitely <laughs> definitely <laughs> what was pulling a lot of people. Um but yeah, like they also had um their pride events. Uh you'll get constant emails like. The communication emails, like whoever's in the communication department, right. like kudos to them. They're always sending emails, keeping people up to date about everything um, when it comes to diversity. Um, there are questionnaires that will go out, there are events, they will have people come in and have. Um, speakers, um, talk about certain things and their shared experiences. They had someone from CNN, um, speak, they had athletes, they have like a lot of people, um, influential people as well. So they definitely didn't shy away from that. And again, I don't know if it's because of like their, who they are in Canada, right? But regardless they were doing it. And I don't think anyone as an employee there could say that they don't care. And or they didn't feel like, included. Or they didn't right? feel included because they always made sure. It's just a matter of like who actually wanted to participate, and participation and actually was successful. I'll give them that. a lot of people do participate.
0: I love that you said that your employer did like a lot of the work prior to March of uh 2020 because i felt like in march of 2020 a lot of uh companies like friends in different organizations would say oh you know what um we're having these discussions we're doing this we're doing that it seems like diversity and inclusion was basically a way for us to do a culture share but then we didn't have real conversations around what diversity right. inclusion and yeah. equity looked like so kudos to wherever you worked um that was actually doing the work um long before um there was a need to to actually have these discussions. so so Yeah, and when
1: what happened last year happened, oh, trust and believe, they were sending communications out. The conversations were ramped up even more. They were um, checking in to see how people felt. They were actually even like, if you don't feel like working, it is okay to step back, especially in the midst of a pandemic. That was just like a lot, like... Um, And they are global. They're not just in Canada. Like, they are based in the U.S. So they're definitely affected there. They're based in the Caribbean and in Asia and Europe. It's
0: it's the emotional intelligence for me.
1: (laughs) I'll definitely give them my
0: Honestly. But I love that you made mention of that. Now, I want to switch gears and go back to Alana. So many times when we have this diversity and inclusion conversation a couple of people either aren't included in the conversation or i don't know if they don't show up or they're just not invited to the conversation um a lot of times when we think about diversity and inclusion we think of brown people, black people, um non people of color um but sometimes i feel like indigenous people are are not included in that conversation is there a reason for that
2: <laughs> mm, well <laughs> Um, how do I how do I put this Um, and my one of the things I've noticed in Canada is that um, hate hath no fury like the white Canadian for an indigenous person Um, even more than black people you Mm -hmm. think black people in Canada indigenous people Canada as a country in terms of covert racism their their way of oppressing and literally erasing Indigenous people is studied all around the country. That part. Wow. So I'll give you, for example, the apartheid. There is documented proof that diplomats from South Africa visited Canada and the Canadian government to study their re- Indian residential school system to base the apartheid off of it. Yep. Also, Canada called the residential school system the final solution before Hitler did. So that's also in speculation, you know, but they don't have proper documents to prove it. So um, why it is that they're not invited to the conversation? Well, Canadians haven't been socialized to invite them to the conversation for most canadians they don't even exist right if you yeah. live in a part of you know let's say toronto or montreal or somewhere right. where you are very much in a metropolitan area where you don't even maybe see indigenous peoples they might have they might have existed in your grade 8 your grade 8 textbook for like two pages and then that's it but other than that you don't know anything about them you know their history or anything anything like that so there's just a lack of understanding and Literally a lack of knowledge and a lack of anything like, oh, these people exist. It's almost like an afterthought for some people. Like it's it's incredible how little knowledge there is um, on the part of others towards Indigenous people. So, um, yeah, so I think that's I would say that's why they're not invited to the conversation a lot of the time. Um, I think in terms of non-Indigenous allies, Black people um, are and should be their strongest allies yes they should be
0: wow like this is a lot of information it's a lot to unpack like i was looking at shaz while you we were were speaking i was like is she okay because it seemed like a lot to unpack so thank you for doing that because i've always felt like you know when we have these discussions we don't necessarily have the discussion around like why aren't the indigenous people a part of this this particular conversation Which brings us to the model minority myth. I've had conversations with people who are considered to be model minorities. And whenever we speak about, you know, diversity and inclusion and what anti-racism is, like they usually shy away from that that particular conversation. In fact, I was told by one, I'm not a person of color. Um, It could be that when we started talking about POCs, it initially was applicable to Black people. But when we created this collective term... A lot of people who are considered model minorities, or some people rather, they weren't really rocking with it. So, is there a reason why model minorities don't necessarily, until about a couple of, let's say, until last year with COVID nineteen and the um the anti Asian racism, um, that's when there were more conversations surrounding um um Asians and and diversity and inclusion. So. Is that why they weren't a part of the conversation before they didn't feel like they were part of this inclusive community?
2: Um, there's a lot to unpack there. Let's start with the fact that people of color, person of color, and black are not synonymous. Neither is person of color a euphemism for black. If somebody's black, we say they're black. They're not a person of color, they're black, mm-hmm. right? People of color as a group Okay, first of all, Black people over history We are the ones that have started The most movements, the most whatever And we, like, the nice people we are Bring everybody else along So... (laughs) so 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 black indigenous and the indigenous do it too black indigenous and people of color so we brought them along right everybody else whether or not they choose to identify as a person of color well there's a lot of history around that around caste systems you know different stratifications of class and caste class in places like china uh caste in places like india in terms of colorism and stuff like that so uh the model minority myth and anything about well, the model minority myth that you have to be good at everything, or you have to be good at certain things, or you just are and whatever, all of these are, are um, a result and constructs created by colonialism. Um, so people who might say they're not a person of color, well, um, it's because they tried to uh, get as close as they could to being white as possible because for them white is the ultimate achievement or the place they want to be because for them white means you know wealth or means acceptance or yeah. whatever and when they finally somebody calls them on it it's almost like they forgot that they weren't white that and go oh you person of color <laughs> I'm not a person of color what are you talking about <laughs> because right?
1: I feel like because they were still associating the person of color to black in their yeah. minds
2: Right. Well, they're they're associating to that, or they just like there are literally like there are brown people who don't want to be brown, or who are like so light that they're like, hey, I can pass for not brown. There are people who are convinced that they are not what they are. It's- like, and that will erase everything, or will try to erase everything. It's like, mm, but you're still brown. <laughs> you still, or you still ate like you, you know. So, yeah, that,
0: that is that is interesting because. You know, when, when, we, when we think, um, you know, if we should go back to the unfortunate incident that happened in Atlanta, um, where people were definitely affected, there were some Sikh men in it. So when we think of model minority and anti-Asian hate, um, usually is it not a specific group or do all Asians get lumped in as a model minority?
2: Well, uh, uh, in Canada... Um... Other Asians can get lumped in definitely for different reasons. I would say, especially in like the big metropoles, right, yeah. where um, where other Asian populations are just as um, just as large as, let's say, the Chinese or the Korean population. Right. Um. So yeah, for different things. I mean, growing up, and it's going to change from generation to generation as well, right? Because if you look at things like Statistics Canada when they show you immigration patterns they have changed over the years. So immigration patterns of, for example, Black people. Black people came in between the 60s and 90s, mostly. Mm-hmm. The 2000s, the Black people, or just Black people from the Caribbean, I should say, sorry. And then from the 2000s on, it's Black people from Africa that we're seeing and from Haiti and places like that. So immigration patterns, same thing with asians right like any type of asian you'll see patterns in terms of different countries when Mm -hmm. when um immigration uh waves are happening to canada and things like that so come to the millennial generation and well asian there's a whole different there's a whole lot of different types of asian right and so like you look in toronto well there's toronto has the highest number of chinese people in specific um in the country uh They say Vancouver, but it's not the truth. Vancouver has the most of um, that area of the world, but not Chinese in specific. Toronto has the most Chinese people in the country. Um, But then we also have a lot of people from Sri Lanka and from India and from Bangladesh and things like that. So when you go to school, Asian is, you know, there's there's so many different people that yeah, that are represented, that might be taking on this model minority myth. So while it was before, it might have just meant Chinese because of immigration patterns. Now it can mean a whole bunch of different things.
0: Interesting. Interesting. That actually puts a lot of things into perspective. Um, So you went to school here, Alana, and Shads did Jamaica and here. Um, I remember going to school with Asians, and I don't think I saw them as, like, smarter or more likely to be successful than anybody else i felt like in the caribbean it's a rat race and everyone just had this drive to be successful like you just had to be the best so Mm -hmm. i don't think there was like a model minority concept it was something i learned when i moved here to north america that asians are deemed uh smarter more successful and the list goes on. No, Shaz, mm-hmm. that was just probably my experience. What was your experience like in going to school in Jamaica? Were your Asian um, schoolmates, classmates deemed smarter? Were they supposed to uh, behave in a particular way while you probably got a little bit more leeway to just be yourself?
1: I think because I went to a mix of... like I started off in prep school and mm-hmm. then I went to... Um, a high school that had a little bit more mix in terms of socioeconomic. So like in prep school, it was fairly diverse. So we did have um, Asians, be it um, South or East, but they're also still Jamaican at the end of the day. That's just their backgrounds. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we had uh, Black people. It wasn't really seen as okay you're expected to do better than everyone else it was still that um everyone is expected to do well regardless because that's just what's been driven into us as Caribbean um, people that education is our ticket out of the country if we do plan on leaving and if we want to be successful out there in the world we have to be smart so it didn't matter like what you look like um in high school it didn't really come in the sense of, like, okay, you have to be smart. I noticed, like, the people who were of Asian descent, uh, they were seen as the prettier ones because of the hair and all that stuff. But they were also – I know one girl, like, she was um, kind of picked on in the sense that people took, like – advantage of her thinking that she was like really quiet and docile so they could push her around and they learned the hard way don't push people around who are quiet because they will literally like come for your life um but nothing on the levels that I see here with that um comparison expectation of um Asians here is definitely night and day
0: I love that um not the whole fighting and the girl being (laughs) docile but you brought up a point which i think leads us to the next section of the discussion which is unconscious bias but before we get into that we'll take a quick break we'll be right back
1: this is What Good, brought to you by Talking Tales and hosted by Storyteller Keisha Christie. Oral traditions is an inaugural part of who we are and preserves our culture. Join us every week as we gather and we share stories and talk culture.
0: And we're back. So Shads you brought up the fact that, you know, Asians were seen as a little bit more docile or prettier. And I feel like that's like an unconscious bias because there isn't necessarily any judgment or any anything to support that particular claim. But there's usually a belief, I know as a Jamaican, that, you know, there are certain features that are deemed to be a little bit more pleasing to the eye. And we'll probably never ex- accept it or admit it. But a lot of people prefer, you know, the longer hair, the lighter skin. Um, just because of whatever biases, conscious or unconscious, that they may have, but Thanks Alana, no you're the professional here. So tell us about unconscious bias for a, for a bit. Like, what is it, and how does it show up on a day to day basis in like everybody's life?
2: Well, uh, first, I can say that the model minority myth is a form of unconscious bias. Hmm. Yep. So it's a form of it's it's a message that has been. Uh, knitted into the very fabrics of our socialization uh, here in Canada, where, because I can tell you, you know, growing up in Scarborough, the model minority myth, I don't say it wasn't a thing, but it kind of wasn't a thing in that everybody was an immigrant. Everybody was trying, you know, my generation, all of our parents were immigrants. They were working hard for us, so we worked hard. So it was like, mm. you know, I saw, if I saw, you know, my friends playing piano or doing math, it's because they were trying to do something to be the best. If they didn't want to do it and they were forced to do it, it was cuz oh, well their parents just really wanted them to. It wasn't like, oh, because you're Asian. That came along later, but that also comes from the other. It's it's something that other people you know, put on certain uh, on Asian people and stuff like that. It doesn't come from them, right? Yeah. So, uh so unconscious bias is basically these messages that are knit into our society um, and we just don't even realize it. And um, we perpetuate them on a daily basis and we don't realize it. So it is in innocence in a way. So, you know, a lot of people will, will, will express things through, you know, uh, uh, microaggressions or, um, you know, phrases and they just, they won't realize from the very way, the, the very way in which they look at the world. Um, it could be biased in certain ways. So you talked about light skin. Well, yeah, colonialism. Yeah. Who told people light skin was prettier? Um, the darker the skin, the clearer it is. Um, you know, I like that they have smooth complexions, darker I, skin people. I know, like, they I'm don't so have acne. envious of like, I know. even tone. Like, ugh. like.
1: Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> so... <laughs>
2: So, you know, like there's, there's things, so there's things, you know, about having to be skinny, having to be a certain way. Um, And these things also, (laughs) a lot of them, colonialism is so deep and we don't even realize it. A lot of these things about image, body image or things like that, that we see are put there because the white Europeans who were colonizing couldn't achieve the standards that we had Exactly. because they were envious. They changed the standards to what they could achieve, which to make it look good.
1: Mm. Exactly. Interesting. Right, so
2: why do you need to plaster all that makeup on your face? Well, if you don't have acne or anything else or imperfections, you wouldn't need to. Yeah. But guess who needs to? The people. Hmm. Who... Yeah, mm-hmm. so. So,
0: I-, I love that you broke that down with, like, model minority being, like, an unconscious bias. So, as a person of color, can I suffer from unconscious bias um, even towards people of my own race or of in course. the city?
2: Of course, hmm. nobody, nobody is safe. Nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody is safe. Nobody is void of it. We've nobody all is been un- damaged by colonialism. But shouldn't
0: I know mm-hmm. better, though? Like, shouldn't I know better? No, all,
2: uh, all my thing, my thing before mm-hmm. was I. People who were overweight used to annoy me why? when I was younger. Why? Because I was like, why can't they work out? Ooh. You know, I was into sports, and it's something that you see, right? Mm -hmm. You see it, you see it in your shows, you see it around you, you see, you have to be fit, you have to be a certain way. I don't understand why you can't work out. Well, if you're like that, it's, you know, did I I know know what a thyroid issue was at the time? (laughs) Did I know that you could just be genetically bigger? No, I didn't know any of that, right? So Mm -hmm. it was, it was, it was a bias, right? There's other biases, um, you know. I went to McGill University. There's biases about people going to other universities, especially when you go to an elitist university. Like there's simple ones like that. And there's other ones where, yes, it comes down to race and everything too, but we can all have them.
0: Interesting. Um, Because I I feel like when we have conversation about biases, a lot of people are like, oh, me, no, I'm fair. Like, no, me, I'm not racist. I don't see color. Um, I think all genders are important. Like Like those are usually the the rebuttals for, 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 for unconscious bias or any form of bias in general. Mm-hmm. Even that's the colorblind. colorblind.
1: Somebody's name. People have mm-hmm. their unconscious biases. Like you look at mm-hmm. someone's name and you immediately judge them um, because, oh, you have that name. You must be mm-hmm. like that. Which, and, which I mean, is
2: true. Which
1: we is could true. use the
2: word Karen, for example. <laughs> like. Wow. If you want to. you like, went there. I mean, and that was one that was created in just the last year, right? Yeah. Year or two, right? Yeah. So everyone is a Becky.
1: Is a Becky with straight hair and no thanks to Beyonce. Yeah. Everyone, Pop culture, <laughs> is it? Yeah.
0: Wow. So,
1: like age is also in up there as your own country's bias. People who think that people who see young people think that young people are all lazy. Like mm-hmm. our entire generation has been labeled as lazy, and we mm-hmm. don't. We want everything handed to us and mm-hmm. it's like no we don't they're literally you know what's a good place our... to
2: look at it like, when you look at who who what type of people you like to date huh. then the biases but, come but, flying but, out
0: so is it an unconscious bias or is it a preference because i know a That's lot of another, people yeah. like well they the flip-flop between preference fetish and Unconscious bias, which, yeah, which is or it.
2: conscious sometimes. <laughs> it, it, it might be conscious, honestly, because I have I have preferences, and I'm like I can't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to share. <laughs> I've had, like like for example, I'm like
2: one of you. my preferences is like I don't want to date a West Indian man ever, because really I feel like there there's too much Alana. of that already in me, mm-hmm. and I already have a West Indian family, and I don't need more of it. Mm-hmm. So I just that's a no. I feel
1: um, <laughs> I, it's not in a bad way like i feel the same i'm like no there's already enough west indian here can i go like yeah with someone who's a different culture so they could learn about yeah. my west Indianness yeah. and yeah. i can learn about yeah. their culture yeah.
2: that's what i see. have i ever been attracted to West of course i know of like, course but growing I, I, up I, I, now you, i'm yeah, like uh like, <laughs>
1: we we're we're the best we're simply the best
0: <laughs> I, I feel <laughs> I, I feel like when, when, and, and this is just my bias or unconscious bias i feel like when people say you know. I would never date another West Indian. Or even scrolling through TikTok, there's like these these videos about um, name a group of like men you wouldn't date. And like girls just go off, especially when it's like West Indian men. And I'm like...
2: What or African do? men. Yeah, it's like
1: African men or West Indian men are S- one in the same. So there's, there's
2: different... Well, no, because for African men, the thing for me is like uh, the patriarchal kind of society thing that they've adopted the ones that are let's say fresh right not not uh been in Canada for a while I I actually don't know anymore because I don't (laughs) even live in multicultural spaces anymore I don't know I don't know maybe in Scarborough because in when I was in Scarborough you know anybody whatever but then as you get older but like I already have a West Indian mom Oh so you did like, like you did like what Sierra said law. and
0: leveled up? Is that it? Did you level up? Because I felt like, like when you I left know. Scarborough you leveled up. Did you level up?
2: No, I love Scarborough. What do you mean? Yeah when isn't you level.
0: left when you left Scarborough, right? You said you know like when it was Scarborough it was like anyone, but like when you left you're like Yeah No, that.
2: it's that there were slim pickings outside <laughs> of Scarborough. Wow. And um, mostly of the Caucasian uh you know variety, so Variety.
0: <laughs> wow. So
2: it was i it, no, seriously. Like Montreal, what choices did I have? Arabic? People from the Middle East. Like like Lebanese? People from nah, the Middle East. No. No. Wow, guys. Um, well I know I dated a Russian for two years. So there was that. Um, but yeah, no, in terms of black guys, <laughs> once again, like I love black men, but like I just wasn't interested in the types available where I was. So,
1: we'd have, to, we'd have to go to the motherland and like select you, them and like come you know,
0: back, um, like. <laughs> I'm not sure if this is a conscious bias or an unconscious bias because we're getting a lot. And I feel like if I allow this to go on any further, you're going to talk your business, you know, and you're going to mock yourself.
2: I am an open book
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> I, I love that we brought up dating and and all that when it when it came to unconscious bias, but I but something that was brought to my attention very recently was even how we have conversations or write uh, think pieces, um, also um, include some level of unconscious bias. For example, even um, the word expat. Um, If you go through enough websites, enough um, readings online, you will actually see that expats, it's usually applicable to someone who is not a person of color or a person who is uh, not BIPOC. But if you were to look up the word expat, um, it's applicable to everyone. How is that a thing? How is it that expat is only applicable to people of a certain heritage and not applicable to anyone who... You mean white people? Yes. Yes. How is it only applicable to white people when anybody else travels from their country to the next country for work, for school, to live... Because they don't want to
2: be called settlers and colonizers. Thank you.
0: Hmm. So it's just (laughs) being politically... So why is it that we don't get the name expat?
2: Because white people establish themselves as the status quo, and we adhere to that every day. That part. By allowing them to use the word. So... Interesting. yeah you can you can definitely affirm you can definitely challenge the status quo by calling them settlers or colonizers where they are you know or you know because i mean white people can be immigrants or call them an immigrant if they're an immigrant yeah. right but I, I feel like you don't know, use that.
0: that word we don't use that word when we refer to people of of european descent which i i i didn't but they really are think right they are they are like technically they are but expat just seems like uh, a better term when you look at like writings like oh you all you automatically assume that they immigrated to this country not for a better life but because they had the means to do so and that's usually the argument for expat from what i've read it's that okay you know europeans move into another country they usually have the means to do so they're not necessarily running from war or famine or They're not trying to find jobs. They're legitimately just relocating to another place because they have the means in comparison to the primitive belief that all people of color are running away from something, which is why. And who do you think created
2: that term expat? Exactly.
0: No, no Mm -hmm.
2: clue. Educate Mm -hmm. me. That's
0: why you're here. Educate me.
2: Guaranteed the white person insecure about why they had to move to another country. Mm -hmm.
0: Interesting. Interesting. You know, I would love to hear what people say in the comments. Um, just with this particular. Good word. luck, people.
2: Good luck. Um, that's I know what.
0: Guys, well, let me not say, it, guys, but folks, let me know what you think about even verbiage as it pertains to. Uh, there, I'm losing my, my, my train of thought, even when it pertains Ex- to unconscious versus bias. versus immigrant. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, like why? There's something.
2: There's something, though, there's another distinction I want to make because, Mm -hmm. you know, we say white people, white people, and yes, white people, it's true. But there's also a difference because a lot of white people get fragile or and they're like, you know, well, it's not all white people and we're not all bad and you just hate on us. You know, my own significant other gets like that sometimes and I'm like, and then I realized, you know, there's a difference between when we say white people and when we say when you're talking about whiteness and Mm -hmm. whiteness as the thing you know, establishing the status quo as whiteness and whiteness as the thing that we need to get away from as society versus white people who are just another set of people.
1: I think I hear it a lot from uh, white people who are coming from European countries who were not associated with what went down in North America. Um, mm-hmm. well, I use North America as an example because we know colonization mm-hmm. happened all over the world. But mm-hmm. um the ones who moved here and now are grouped under groups with the rest of those white people there i've heard a lot from them who they'll say it's not all white people like i'm not a part of that like my ancestors had nothing mm-hmm. to do with that and here i am being classified as a bad white person like i don't condone what they're doing either so like mm-hmm. you do hear it a lot from them where it's like stop saying all white people it's not all white people
0: <laughs> but do you feel that's an unconscious bias when we generalize um because there are people who they will just use that they will just use they will throw it around because they whether or not they want to accept it they feel a particular way um as it pertains to whiteness
1: i think i don't know if it's necessarily unconscious bias i think it's just more so generalization because it's also how like a lot of people generalize that every black person that's on this planet is a descendant of a slave
2: Right, I mean, I think that don't make no sense.
1: And so there's that generalization where it's like every black person is like was formerly a slave. Oh, they have it hard because like they were once a part of slave. So it does like there's that like is that generalization? Is that unconscious bias? What is that? Right. So
0: okay, but how how do we? And I want to open this up to 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 both to both um women on the panel today. How do we change some of the the biases that we have, whether conscious or unconscious, as it pertains to people in general?
2: Uh, within yourself?
0: Yeah, like what's the work that needs to be done and then the work that needs to be done as a wider society?
2: I think that's so simple, but I'll let
1: Alana
2: go first. <laughs> um, well, for me, I think a big thing is establishing your positioning in society is mm. what I've been harping on and repeating, you know, to people. Um, how you are positioned vis-a-vis the rest of society, what are your privileges? There's a document called Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack by Peggy McIntosh. And it's literally a list of different types of privileges. You know, I can go to a store without being followed. I can blah, blah, blah. And so you could use that list um, to think about what your privileges are. Everybody has some, you know, what your experience, you have to literally reflect on your experience and see where you are positioned in society. By seeing where you are positioned in society, it changes a lot of your perspective. Then there's unlearning. So unlearning a lot of the colonial structures that we were taught um, and starting to live life through a decolonized lens. So what was a structure that you were taught that was supposed to be there by um, a majority trying to establish a status quo in power versus what actually is?
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, I love the readings that you provided. Um, Definitely, we will try to put a link in in the description below. Um, Shads, you're up. How can we unlearn, unpack, fix the unconscious biases that we have or... How, how do we do that?
1: Uh, well, of course, I loved everything Alana said. I will only be, like, matching some of that. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, it's there's... The hum of it all is the systems that are in place by the people who have created them. They need to do more to break those down Yes, of course, every each and every one of us, we do have our unconscious biases. So we have to do that work to educate ourselves on that. Like Google's free, libraries are still a thing. You could still go in there. Are they? Yes, they very much are. Yes, they very much are Mm -hmm. in the panoramic. They're essential services. You can simply reach out to people who don't look like you, ask questions don't bombard them with questions because it's like, okay, they're not supposed to be doing the work for you either. And just simply like understanding other people. Cause like what we notice in society is like, of course, naturally we all tend to want to be around people who look like us, but how does that help to break down barriers if we are not mingling with people who don't look like us? Cause like, if I moved here and said, I'm only going to stick around with Jamaicans, then I wouldn't be able to know about other people's cultures and their religions Mm -hmm. and their practices and just how they view things. And they wouldn't know about me and just like break down any um, biases that they had about my people and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So there's just, there's a lot that like individuals can do, um, Mm -hmm. read, ask questions. And at the end of the day, it still really isn't, uh, the onus still isn't on people of color and um black or indigenous people because we did not create race we did not create mm-hmm. the systems that are in place mm-hmm. uh the white people the white man created those things and they I feel need- like you're like
0: I, like I'm doing this because it feels like you're reaching for patriarchy like you're <laughs> reaching to pull patriarchy <laughs> And like... They
1: are holding on to it and they could see that that power that they have is slipping away and they don't mm-hmm. like it. And I just find it interesting because it's like, what are you so afraid of? Why are you so afraid to share, to allow everyone to be at that same level, to grow because you don't like what you've done? So you think that we're going to do to you what you've done to us for years. And that's not the case. We just want you to fix the damages that you've done.
0: I love that. I, I Another love... thing is
2: just comfort.
1: I
0: love that. Yeah.
2: People seek comfort. Yeah.
0: Shots. That was, I mean, that was a read. That was a read. I like that. I like mm-hmm. that. Um, look <laughs> look at you. Nice. Look at you hyping. <laughs> that, was, that was a read. Which you brought up something about having conversations. Which brings us to allyship. No... We've, we've been hearing that term like maybe for a year. Like allyship becomes the buzz, the buzzword. Like everybody, (laughs) I'm an ally. I think before, um, people use ally when they spoke about the LGBTQIA. If I'm missing a letter, I apologize profusely. You forgot Um, plus. Plus cover you. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Sorry. And the two. Uh, And and two. Two spirited. How
1: dare you forget two spirited.
0: you're badgering me (laughs) Um, but but we've like that was usually when you know everybody's like oh I'm an ally I'm an ally and I'm I'm an ally Um, but very recently um, I learned that allyship is not something that you could self assign which is interesting Um, I thought you could say you know what I am an ally to indigenous people I'm an ally to the Asian community um, apparently, if no one tells me that I'm an ally, then I'm just somebody wearing up my mouth. So, Alana, <laughs> please, explain yeah. to people what allyship is, how one becomes an ally, because I feel like I've been self-identifying as an ally for years. And now that you that has been taken away from me, I'm just going to need a proper definition.
1: I self-identify as an ally.
2: <laughs> all
1: so, ally,
2: mm-hmm. first of all is not usually a noun it's a verb to ally yourself to somebody allyship is the noun um so when people are like you know i'm an ally i'm an ally well first of all who told you that right who t- did did an oppressed person did a marginalized person tell you that you were an ally wow you just decided what did you do allyship to, was given to,
0: away and i took it
2: did you take did you take a university <laughs> course and get a certificate did you feel like time? you know? Who who told you? What did you do? If you want to be to ally yourself to somebody, you have to do things, and mm-hmm. they have to tell you, "Wow, you are being great- a really good ally," or "You are be," you know, "This this is my ally." Yeah. You don't give yourself that name because if you are not the one you're allying yourself to somebody who may be in a less advantageous situation than you or might just be in another situation right? right so and i kind of think of it as a continual thing right because it's a verb you know you're continually seeking to ally yourself to uh to look for allyship so like um i might say i want to always be an ally to indigenous people but i'll never be like i'm an ally
0: mm.
2: no you let other people call you an ally you don't call yourself an ally because that, then you were taking the space, as well, and it's not about you.
1: Exactly.
0: Interesting.
2: I bet You're a lot of people didn't know that. Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of people didn't know that. No, I feel like when it when as it pertains to allies and allyship, um, when we talk about it, right, and who can be an ally and how allyship or the the, the term allies is doled out. Um, we talk about, you said something about it's not just showing up once, it's trying to continuously be a part of the process or trying to achieve change. Uh-huh. Um, that being said, um, how does one differentiate between performative allyship and what is genuine allyship? Because performative allyship is this term that we, we start to hear um, since uh-huh. the, the George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, where people were just showing up to these protests to take Insta pictures. And, uh-huh. you know, I was there and that's it. Or I post a black square on on, uh-huh. on Blackout Tuesday Ooh, and I've officially been branded an ally. Plus, plus uh-huh. I put the hashtag BLM in my Insta bio. Uh-huh. Um, how do we differentiate between performative allyship and uh-huh. genuine allyship? Because Shad uh-huh. said, you know, you can, you know, try to talk to someone of a a different race, you know, to get not race but culture to get to know them. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, if someone came up to me, was like, Hi, so you're a Jamaican, uh, tell me everything about Jamaica, <laughs> I feel <laughs> that's so performative. <laughs> so, so, explain yeah. <laughs> to me the difference between performative and um, genuine allyship
2: because performative allyship benefits the person performing, exactly, they are not seeking to benefit the person they are allying with. They're seeking to benefit themselves. So if they want they're asking, tell me about Jamaica, da-da-da-da-da, because da, 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 they want to make themselves feel better in that moment by seeking mm-hmm. to have some knowledge. You're posting a black square. Well, you're posting a black square because what if you don't, you know? What if people see that you don't, right? Also mm-hmm. learning all these terms and stuff like that. Yes, it's great, but, you know, George Floyd wasn't the first one. Exactly. It was the first one that everybody saw at that level. Right. And I thought there were were many before. Exactly. And there were many before in the States and in Canada. Mm -hmm. Right. We just don't talk about them. Mm. The Colton Bushies, Joyce yeah, a lot of different other people. So and these terms, performative allyship, all of these things existed before George Floyd. It's just now there's that hype around them and social media does make it easier for information to be you know a lot of race scholars and people are seeing scholars are seeing that if you put information on social media this generation uh absorbs that the information better that way so that's a great thing but it all existed before so (laughs) performative allies are probably the ones running to try to make things right right now out of fear or whatever the way you distinguish is you think about who does it benefit
1: Hmm. yeah
0: interesting now I love that I, just the way you explained that because to me performative allyship meant something totally different so mm. Shads tell me what you're thinking when as it pertains to performative allyship
1: I'm supposed to follow up that really? of
0: course. <laughs> you know what i am i'm saying women power i'm gonna say black girl magic i'm gonna use all of these hashtags because we're having a real conversation and I, and I love it a lot of you gave a read she's dropping knowledge so what does performative allyship look like to you like during the last year or so um Did you see a performative allyship? Like, were there people who okay, yeah, I'm going to post this square. I'm going to do the hashtags. I'm going to do the the videos. I'm going to do all that work. And then 2021 rolls around and crickets. Crickets. Thankfully,
1: the people who are in my spaces didn't have to wait for what happened last year to suddenly care about people who didn't look like them. Um, Mm -hmm. So I can't use them as an example, but I have seen um, there are people who are still posting, who are still educating people about what's happening with Indigenous people, what's happening with Black people to this day. So it wasn't just a simple square. Some of them actually weren't even a fan of the square because they're like, that's a joke um, in itself because, yeah. Um, But what I see from other people, it's definitely performative where it's you're doing it for clout you're doing it because it's like a trend almost it Mm. basically basically turned a serious movement into a trend um Mm they made it look as if they've created it they've set it up where it's transactional now because especially with what's happening with um and i'm not going to say asians because it's really east asians um who are suffering from Mm -hmm. this um what's happening with east asians there's been a lot of talk like we were there for you during um the black lives movement so you guys need to be there for us during this so there's that transactional mentality where it's like no that's not how it works and you're pointing your fingers at the people that you shouldn't be that's not to say that there aren't people in the black community who have not been participating in these um attacks and that's no thanks to the white supremacy belief that's been placed on each From and every the one of us the people them
0: is going to say oh you're blaming that, the people them for everything
1: um but let's be honest it is white supremacy that's at the home of it all like we're we'll mm-hmm. be pointing our finger at white supremacy and They've set it up where we're pointing our fingers at everyone except who it should be, but they're pointing right. the gun at us, literally and figuratively, all of us but right. them. So it's like a oh, I'm gonna be a good person. So going back to like again performative, it's like I'm going to be a good person. I'm on the right side. They're just showing face. It's just for clout.
0: Interesting. I love that you know. I I love the way Alana did her definition and she brought everything full circle. But because you're like this social media, and I wanna call you a social media guru right now, it's mm. it's funny that you brought that all you brought that back to say, you know, performative allyship is for clout because I never thought about it from that from that perspective that everybody is suddenly an ally because it looks good. Right? It's 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 interesting because Like, I would have never thought, like, I thought you could either be an ally or you're not an ally. For me, performative is just, yo, I'm doing this just because I don't want to piss people off. I like, that's that's how I see it. Like, let me just do this. Let me have a couple of meetings. Let me talk to the people of color. And um, we're not really going to do anything, but they got to speak. So they're heard, right? Okay, let's tick that box. To me, that is performative allyship. So I love that. All three of us had like a different perspective of what that looked like. So so thank you. Now, we're about to wrap up um, because we can't talk about performative allyship and people of color and diversity and inclusion for the rest of our lives. So, I want to leave on a positive note, right? I want to leave on a positive note. So, Alana, you're the guest. Mm-hmm. What do you want people to learn to take away from the conversation that we've had today?
2: Oh, um, do your homework and do it for you. Um, I think, you know, we all talk about since March. Mm-hmm. And I think because March is one of those turning points, right? decisional points in history for a lot of people, you have to decide, decide whether you're going to be anti-racist, decide whether you're going to take this path of, you know, decolonizing your mind and doing all of these things. Mm-hmm. And so it's a decision that people have to make. So I think probably the thing I would say is look inside you, take some time and look inside you and think about who do you want to be And how do you want, you know, what kind of little impact? What is your drop in the ocean? What little impact do you want to have on society? How do you want to be towards society? And decide that. And decide that and then start reading, start looking, start looking on social media, whatever it is. But do your little part to get your mind there. Don't rely on other people to do it for you. And have courage to speak up, even if it's hard. Because it's always hard. (laughs) this
0: is no easy no task so shards you gave a read i mean you were on fire today i felt like this was one of your power topics Um, i was being super mild
1: too like i'm being nice
0: so i mean alana is radical you know like she was (laughs) she was say it as it is um
2: i don't know how to not (laughs) <laughs> i know
0: i know i know i know i mean the, the 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 viewers and the listeners won't know but i know no shaz i want you to tell me what we got from this conversation because when alana was speaking earlier i was almost i want to say 50 percent sure that you were you're tearing up inside because you know it was emotional for you to have this conversation so you took something from what Alana said and you took something from the conversation that we've had today, but what would you like people to know?
1: Well, I was holding back when Alana was speaking on indigenous matters because I know about what's been and continues to happen with them. And I, I'm not going to label myself as an ally because I have not been gifted with that title, but I have been doing my part and I'm just going to say land back. And if you don't know what that means, do your research and follow Indigenous um, people. Do your research on it and understand that they're not out there protesting and blocking railroads because they feel like doing it just for ish and giggles. They're doing it because treaties have been broken, ownership's of land have been taken wrongfully. Right. And so I'm just gonna put that out there. So yes, I was, tear- I was holding back tears because what they've been going through and continue to go through, even as we're speaking right now, is very, very frustrating and very disheartening. And as someone who is an immigrant to this country, um, who is in a better position than they are, even as something as simple as water, in a first world country, in a country that has one of the most freshwater um, access. The largest. The largest, next to Brazil. It's like, mm. to me, it's like, if something as simple as that doesn't flip the switch in all Canadians' heads, like, that's not okay, then I don't know what. So I'm not doing a takeaway. I'm just adding. That's my takeaway. I'm adding. So people who listen to this please go and do your research on what's happening with indigenous people in Canada, because yes, black people here, we have our issues, but in Canada, indigenous people are treated like dirt. Like people literally think that they don't even exist. People in Canada who come to this country don't even know that indigenous people are still here. No, they did not kill them all off, thank God they're out there and they're fighting and they're actually doing it for you too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Cause if it weren't for them, we would not have fresh water. We would not have clean air. If we just let the, the people at who are currently running things just have their way. So I'm trying to not like get too emotional again right now. Um, but,
0: I, I, you know, I'm going to, that's I'm my takeaway there.
1: That's my takeaway. I'm, I'm going to
0: cut you there. Cause <laughs> I, it, it seems rough. I, if I if I should should, should should take away anything from this conversation it's the fact that there's so many things that we need to learn and we need to unlearn and I think that's important for everyone regardless of race, culture nationality, creed um gender, however you identify I think it's important essentially to to, to educate yourself. I feel like sometimes we feel we're above being educated or we're supposed to be educated by the people who are either being oppressed or the people who are the, the people of the week, so to speak. So it's good that we were able to have this conversation to educate people, but also to inform them that a lot of the things that we thought were okay before they're not. And that the greater conversation starts with self. So ladies, women, Thank you so much for this. It meant a lot. I know it was heavy, um, but thank not you necessary. for being here. Anna. Thank <laughs> mm-hmm. you. Thank you for being here. And thank you, Alana, for making the time for us. Um, thank you for having me. No, Alana, I'm not sure if you're the social media type, but do you have socials and where can people find or follow your work?
2: So uh, my handle is at atlanny.d. Mm-hmm. That's my Instagram handle And now that I think of it I should have probably made my Twitter handle the same thing <laughs> I only got Twitter a couple months ago And it was mostly to follow Black Twitter and laugh uh, I, But I occasionally post the I'll out of see. order tweet uh, So that handle is At Alana Undefined Wow uh, I wow. like that one yeah. I Maybe that, I, I should t- change my Insta handle to that I'll yeah. do that Wow Okay
0: Wow, I love that. So, guys, we will try to we try to put everybody's um Instas and socials. Shads, no. I know the last time when we ended the show, we didn't speak about your socials, but you're actually a photographer. So, where can people find you?
1: At the photography underscore. It's just that simple. Which the the means through
2: her eyes. So
0: that is so deep, but. Again.
2: <laughs> Can you thank- put that on like a crew neck for me?
0: <laughs> well <laughs> Guys, that's, <laughs> a <backstage thing. laughs> that's a backstage thing. It's a backstage thing. Well, thank you for being here. And until next time, what good.